The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the editorial team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday, a show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. We focus a lot on that second part, how work is changing us. But this episode, I'm tackling the first part, the work. On deck this week, a field that hardly existed a decade ago. We're going to talk about online gaming. League of Legends, Fortnite. Earlier this year, I got very interested in it. It was the numbers. If you want to know where jobs will be in the future, just look at where people are spending money today. And they're spending a lot on gaming, like more than a billion dollars next year. They're building actual arenas to host tournaments. They're putting together professional teams and leagues. Kids are going to college on gaming scholarships. And that means that just like with basketball or football, there will be lots and lots of opportunities for people who want to advertise or design software or become a team doctor. Really, that's a job. But before we get to those jobs, we got to understand the sport. And there's no better way to do that than to take you to a room full of gamers late at night on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. So I sent my producer, Laura Sim, down to the Waypoint Cafe. The night she visited, there was a tournament going on. I'm here at Waypoint Cafe. It's a Tuesday night, and there's about 70 gamers here tonight. They're currently warming up for a Super Smash Brothers tournament, a game where players pick an avatar to fight against opponents. In one part of the cafe, there's a special streaming room where four guys sit and they're being recorded as they play. Uh, so right now we are streaming a uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Tournament. Uh, right now what's happening on the stream right now is that they're doing a couple of friendlies, which are matches that are not in brackets, just maybe a couple of hand warmers, playing games for fun. So, and the people who are going to win tonight, how much do you think they play a day or a week? Uh, I'm pretty sure they invest a lot of, a lot of time into the game. Like hours upon hours of, uh, of their time with the game. And we do have a couple of good players that come out here. Uh, some of that are best in the state, some of the best in the city. Some well, are competing for money, right? Uh, yeah, everybody's competing for money today. Can you break down what we're seeing here? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, I can uh, hand you over to our uh, stream uh, organizer. Yo, Cinder. Yeah, so basically right here we pretty much have our main streaming PC. Uh, we have pretty much three different monitors that we use to run like separate applications like XSplit is like the basis of it, but I'm also able to project the game to my uh, casters here. Of course, I have Kid and Apollo. That's their tags. And uh, Wildcard, of course, as well. But yeah, that's so... That's their gaming names. Yeah, that's their gaming names. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is pretty much uh, my setup for the most part. This is how we uh, make sure everybody on Twitch can watch us streaming. This is how uh, we get our videos on YouTube. And this is also how we get the word out about our tournaments and everything like that. Just to be clear, the thing called Twitch that they're talking about, that's a streaming service just for video games. Millions of people tune in to watch a stream. Station two, can I get Bernius versus Codeman? Bernius versus Codeman on station two. On station Players head to their stations, and then I could feel a surge of intensity in the room. In the hour that I spent at Waypoint, I saw only one other player who wasn't a guy. Are you a gamer? Yes, I guess. Yeah. And I, I see that we're kind of the only ladies here. Yeah. Is that generally how it is? Um, right. So I guess, yeah, that's one of the things that always 
I don't want to say it bothered me, but it always made me stand out as being one of the only girls in tournaments. So here at Waypoint, I'm usually the only girl. Well, with the exception of you in this tournament. So um, it gets a lot of unwanted attention, but at the same time, it's like I want to try to be someone that's not just known as a girl in this community. So better be known as a player. But in Smash, in this community, I'm better known as an artist, which I've decided to own up for because I didn't want the attention of just being a girl in the community. So finding something else to channel the energy and to channel the attention to something that I can do something to like contribute to the community is something that I really appreciate. That was Laura Sim reporting from the Lower East Side. And she brought us a look into gaming, or one version of it. Lots of folks game in their living rooms or just watch over Twitch. And then on the other end of the spectrum, if you go pro, think Michael Jordan. People fill up arenas the size of Madison Square Garden just to see them play. More on that after a break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. And we're back. Gaming's been around for a long time. When I was in first grade, my neighbor got an Atari. I'd go over to her house after school and watch her play Frogger. And sometimes she'd even let me play. But what's going on now is super different. Partly it's because the internet exists and it's really fast. Partly it's because games like League of Legends and Fortnite let us play with each other. And then over the past decade, gaming has gone from a fun thing to do to a professionalized sport like football. And at the heart of that change is the pro, a person who plays so well and so smart, they make a living out of it. I wanted to figure out how you become one. So I called Andy Din. So I came from a family of immigrants were Vietnamese, and they had to make some huge sacrifices to immigrate over to the U.S., and because of that, they were really focused on education. Andy's the founder of one of esports' biggest teams, Team Solomid, known as TSM. They're best known for playing League of Legends. Andy started playing the game as a teenager right when it came out, a decade ago. So like live streaming you see today online, whether it's on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, uh, that didn't exist. And that just started to grow uh, when I started a game. He became close with a group of players online, and they formed their first team. Andy was team captain. The four other players came from all around. One from Canada, one from California, like Andy. One from New York and Hawaii. We, we all flew together to Europe to compete in our tournament uh, really early on in esports. And, and you know, interesting fact was that at that time, the cost of travel to that event uh, was more costly than actually the first place prizing. And that was the event that really got me to basically invest and go all in on esports. Andy and his team moved in together into what's called a gaming house. And they train for hours and hours a day. 
we would probably practice a good four to five hours a day. And then the other three hours, we would just play for fun, more or less. And so even though we've never met in person, uh, we already had a connection. And so it felt, you know, it felt really normal just spending time with those guys. Along the way, Andy started a company. They created videos that featured tips on how to play League of Legends, as well as streams of actual games. And the money started coming in. Sponsorships from Geico, Logitech, Dr. Pepper. This money helped cover expenses for a team of players. And it became a lot to manage. Yeah, so during the time period that I played for three to four years, I had a team that was running our websites, keeping it up to date. But at the same time, I was also acquiring other media properties on the side. So, um, you know, since I was 17, you know, the, the gap of between 17 and 20 meant playing during the day, working at night, right? And so it was really challenging to be a young entrepreneur that didn't have much management skill to doing sales, partnerships, acquisitions, you know, even managing finances. Or I, I was getting all sorts of help from my brother on the accounting and finance and uh, even like, get you know renting a house that was like a challenge for a 17 year old right i I couldn't even sign off on a house i didn't have any credit so i I, even though i had like a really strong income i didn't have any history of work and so i you know i i made you know twenty thousand a month but i couldn't even rent a house for two thousand dollars a month and so i had to get my mom to help me that that was interesting so eventually andy quit playing in tournaments so he could focus on the business and the reason why i stopped playing was I thought that I was doing my team a disservice for, uh, for you know, being a coach, being a player, and also running my business. And I wasn't able to actually compete at the highest level, even though I was a player that was still at the top of my position in, in our region. It, it, just, it just didn't make sense for me to work on three jobs at once. Taking a step back, the industry is presenting a lot of jobs for people who aren't just gamers. Consider, for example, how Andy's team even works with a physical therapist. You could get injured in esports, right? Whether it's your posture, uh, your hands, getting carpal tunnel, arthritis. A lot of teams now, they're buying those desks that move up and down so you can change your position. But it's really actually important to stretch, especially if you're sitting down for eight hours a day doing the same movement. It could be really bad for your hands, right? You might notice that a lot of this language sounds like what you'd hear with regular sports. So I asked him if he considers himself an athlete. I mean, there's always this debate between traditional sports and esports, whether esports is a sport or not. And uh, to be honest, like most esports players honestly don't care whether we're regarded as an athlete or not. Uh, at the end of the day, if you look at, you know, LeBron James, Steph Curry, or any of those guys, right? At the end of the day, they're entertainers, they're content. They are on a show and they're good at what they do and, and people recognize them for that. And they watch them and, you know, all those guys, they make money off of eyeballs. The NBA, they make money off of media rights, advertising, wearing Nike shoes. So they're basically entertainers that monetize their reach, right? And so we just thought that it was something that, it was a big passion that we really enjoyed. We wanted to compete and we wanted to focus on what we were passionate about. That was Andy Din. You know, his pro career got started when he competed with people he met through the game. But not everyone you meet playing games is friendly. The New York Times just featured reporting on predators who misrepresent themselves in games. They want to lure young people into dangerous situations. Because gaming is such new territory, the norms for how we interact with them are still getting worked out. And it's especially critical we talk to our kids and our friends about how to stay safe while playing. Now let's talk jobs. But first... 
Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. All right, back to the show. To get a sense of the jobs developing in the e-gaming industry, I reached out to my colleague, Brian Shu. He's a data scientist here at LinkedIn, and he's a gamer himself. Uh, so for me, I primarily right now play League of Legends, any other game I would get into right now, I think would be start to majorly detract on my life and productivity. He also follows competitive gaming. Yes, I actually do follow along with uh, some of the professional tournaments. Actually, the League of Legends World Championship just happened this past weekend. Brian found that the most hiring is happening in three categories. First, software engineers and developers. Then people who are getting hired to test games to make sure they don't have bugs. And then there's this other group. There's a lot of artists and writers getting hired into these game developer companies. When I play these games, it's not just a big guy with a sword. This big guy with a sword has an entire backstory about how he is now king of this kingdom. And he is in love with this ice queen. And they have a feral dog who is terrorizing the kingdom as well. And so there are people to generate these entire stories um, and add so much color behind a lot of the characters that people are playing with. It's almost like a mix between tech in terms of developing the games and also entertainment in driving some of these stories behind them. And as I was thinking about all the growth that I was seeing, it was hard not to think about where women belong in this field. Gaming has an uncomfortable history of harassment. Most of the people Laura and I met while producing this episode were guys, but not everyone. And Brian told me that little by little, the data shows the percentage of women in this field has increased. Right now, about a quarter of the people going into jobs in gaming are women. And in some types of jobs, it's more. Also, in particular occupations, these percentages are typically a little bit more female. For example, writers and editors um, are about 35% female compared to the 25% that are coming into the industry. This gives me hope that as economic opportunities expand in this field, women's roles can expand too. It makes me think back to the girl we met at Waypoint Cafe, who goes by the name Milk Tea. If any girls are listening to this and they like playing video games, honestly, don't let being the only girl stop you. Um, it was something that scared me for my whole life. I played this game for literally my whole life, but finally being able to step out of my comfort zone was a really big choice. But I don't regret it at all. Don't, don't be scared, just go for it, and you'll always find friends there. Yeah. Thanks for coming along with us on this journey into e-gaming. 
And it has me wondering, of course, are there any other new industries that are coming up that you'd like us to cover? If so, write to us at hellomonday at linkedin.com or post on LinkedIn using the hashtag hellomonday. If you enjoyed listening, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show is produced by Laura Sim with additional help from Anthony Schultz, Beth Kutcher, and Lucas Deming. Special thanks to Brian Shu for his research. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Maya Mangini and Victoria Taylor have been our stewards this season. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. And you also heard music from Poddington Bear. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening. I'd love to know from you just what the most frequent misconceptions you hear about e-gaming are. What do people get wrong a lot? I, I think the largest misconception is that it's a waste of time. I, I think that, like I just mentioned, there's a lot to learn from it if you're applied. I think that if you were to do anything where you just don't care, whether it's going to school and not caring or uh, playing sports and not really being, uh, caring about being better, I think that like with anything, you can just trivialize it and say, oh, that is a waste of time. I think that people should, um, you know, Think of gaming as an as an opportunity for uh, whoever it is uh, to you know spend time in, in in what they're interested about and like try to learn the values that you can actually learn from the ecosystem.